This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now back to Dan Grossa on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number three on this Thursday evening, Dan Grossa's show, right here on 98.7 ESPN. I don't know what you guys are going to be doing this weekend. I know what I'll be doing on Sunday afternoon, about 3 o'clock. I'll be sitting on my couch. I'll have the TV on to ABC, Channel 7, because I will be watching the season debut of the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL as they are going to get ready to kick off their season against San Antonio. And the guy who's going to be leading them onto the field and patrolling the sidelines is their head coach. He is my good friend and yours. It is Anthony Beck, and he's nice enough to join us here on the program. A.B., thanks for setting some time aside, Mr. Head Coach. How are things? <laughs> Got it. What's up, Dan? Yeah, appreciate you having me, man. Everything's good. All right, so how was the first training camp, getting your own team, calling the shots, running the show? How was camp number one for Anthony Becht with the Battlehawks? Yeah, you know, camp is really good. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, uh, you know, to really galvanize a team. You, you put together a team from, from the bottom with no players in November, December, and January. January 6th, the players report. And you basically have five weeks to build a culture, uh, put your offense and defense in the way you want it, and get guys to buy in what you're doing, and then have them be prepared to play on a national stage on ABC uh, where, you know, you're the only show in town, man. Yep. So it's exciting. The guys are fired up. Uh, we're ready to go. Uh, we, got, we got a perfect uh, Friday practice for tomorrow to kind of wrap things up and the game plan and, and what we're going to do. We, you know, obviously going against uh, Coach Coach Hines Ward and, and San Antonio. So uh, it'd be a great challenge for us. And I'm excited to see what I have. And I think that the unknowns are all there. No one really knows what their team's going to be like uh, what uh, on game day. But at least from what we've done in practice and in camp, I feel really good about what these guys are doing. And uh, it's, it's fun to see in, in 40-ish days how guys come together, build relationships, and and really put a team together. It's been fun. How difficult is it to prepare for this first game, to getting a game plan and putting that together when you haven't seen these teams? Nobody has yet. You don't know how they they play stylistically and so on and so forth. How challenging has that been for you? Well, you know, their, their coordinators uh, have some past film out there that we can go off of some of the base sub packages, the, the things that they've done in their career I'm, I'm wondering what they're looking or preparing for us because my defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator have no film out there for them <laughs> to look up and find. Uh, you know, we can look at their personnel, obviously the last place they've been, to see how they play, give the guys uh, some cut-ups on what those players look like they'll be going against in the game. But you're right. I mean, we don't have anything on San Antonio. Uh, we do have just some of the things they've done in the past from other places, but – you know, they don't have anything on us. So this this would be the first time anybody sees anything the Battle Hawks bring to the table. So I feel good about that because, you know, at the end of the day, we just got to handle what we can handle. But overall, it's, it's always a challenge to go in a game. Okay, you, you're assuming something's going to be one thing, and then you may have to make some, some changes here and there. And then we'll, we'll do that. I mean, that, that's part of the job. You assess halftime or first quarter, whatever that may be. Hey, they're running a different defense, and you got to make those moves. So we'll be prepared for that. But overall, you know, uh, we got to control what we can control, and 
and hopefully we go out and execute the, the way we're supposed to, and we'll be fine. All right, I think a lot of football fans out there should be familiar with your quarterback. It's going to be A.J. McCarron, who spent a lot of te- a lot of years in the league, actually started a playoff game for Cincinnati, yeah. believe it or not, and, of course, did plenty of winning in college at Alabama under Nick Saban. What do you have in him? I know that you're really high on him, right? Yeah, you know, I scratch my head every day, and then I wonder why he – is not in the NFL right now. Uh, extremely, extremely high football IQ. You know, someone that's basically another offensive coordinator on the field. Uh, he's been an, an incredible leader for this football team. Uh, he's helped some of these young players, some of these players that maybe lack some of the uh, big experience that you're looking for uh, in the XFL that haven't been at the highest level. Really galvanized those guys and, and, and really has helped every single player offensively and defensively get better over training camp. Uh, you know, there's not going to be much that he's going to see that he can't handle uh, from any team this year. But really, you know, the biggest question is, like you said, yeah, he's, he's got a couple starts under his belt over his career in the NFL, but this is really going to be his first big opportunity since 2018. So, uh, you know, we're going to give him the platform to go out there and, and be great. Um, we've been really impressed with him. And quite honestly, man, if he can't be a backup quarterback in the NFL at the minimal, then hell, I don't know what the hell the NFL is looking for. So I'm, I'm just super excited to have him. I'm glad he's with us. And uh, we're going to do our very best to support him and, and try to get him. You know, we put some talent around him. We feel good about it. And hopefully we can execute at a high level. Well, that probably makes you sleep a little bit better at night too, right? This is your first go-around as a coach, and you almost have an extension of the coaching staff out there leading your team as the QB. That's probably going to make things a heck of a lot easier for you because, you know, you this is new to everybody, but if you're going to have somebody out there who knows where everybody is supposed to be, get you all lined up properly, I mean, that's half the battle right there, is it not? It is. You know, he'll be able to assist in everything, but, you know, he can't do it all for everybody. I mean, these guys have to go out there and, and execute at, at a high level or we're not going to have success. You know, AJ is a great piece of the puzzle for us. I, you know, I do sleep well knowing that, you know, he's a guy that prepares. He stays up late. He's, you know, teaching our third quarterback how to be better and that we just brought in and learned the system so he can get up to speed. Um, you know, he challenges our staff. Uh, in the meeting room, uh, our coordinator, you know, you have a coordinator in Bruce Gorkowski who played this game, a lot of starts in the NFL, backed up some great NFL players. He's extremely talented. He's got a great mind. And when you have him and, and A.J. in the same room going over things, man, it's it's, it's fun to listen to because, uh, you know, that, that there's a lot of just the, the quarterback play and knowledge and the vision and how they see things differently than maybe a coordinator – uh, that you know is kind of designing, drawing, and, and delivering the plays from a from a mindset where he's never really been in that position to see it live with his eyes. I think this it just it, it gives you a, a huge advantage. So blessed to have both of those guys. I'm excited for Bruce because you know, this is his first opportunity to be a coordinator at the professional level. He's done a phenomenal job, and uh, you know, and again, just like we talked about AJ, it's. Uh, it's a unique opportunity for him, man. I know that, uh, you know, he's excited about it, and he takes it extremely seriously, man. He's, I mean, this, this means a lot to him uh, in the role that he's in, and I can't wait to see him both operate on Sunday. How many three-and-outs is it going to take before you take away the play-calling duties from him? 
<laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I listen. It's uh, look, this is not the NFL; it's the XFL, man. We're, we're there, there's nothing you're asking NFL to do in 40 days. Think that man, it's going to click. But we feel good about what we're doing because you have to be smart on how you install. I mean, our our offense is uh, we we kind of call it at least I like to call it sophisticated. It's simple but sophisticated. You know, we give you. The, the visual that's sophisticated, but you know, it allows our players in in a way that you know they can play fast. And I really just want to showcase these players' talents. I don't want to bog them down with with over information, but we also have to challenge them if they want to play at the next level to allow them to experience what it is and what it takes to be a pro. So, uh, as well as much as I'm grooming this team to be great in the league, I'm trying to groom the players to, to max them out. And me and my staff are trying to fill some of those holes right now. Yeah. For whatever reason, some of these players aren't where they want to be in their career. But I'm like I said, I'm glad they're with me. I'm glad we're getting the opportunity to help them. And again, showcasing them on Sunday is going to be fun because it really is about these players and the work they put in. And it's going to be fun to see how it looks, uh, you know, in a couple days. No doubt about it. St. Louis Battlehawks head coach Anthony Beck joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. They've got San Antonio coming up on Sunday, 3 p.m. ABC. And I already said, A.B., you know, the Battlehawks are going to be New York's official team here in the XFL. Even though, <laughs> even though you're the St. Louis Battlehawks, you are New York's official team, if we have anything to say about it. So let's put that thing out there first and foremost. How about the reception of uh, St. Louis, because look, that was a that's a good sports city. Oh, they had their NFL team taken away with the Rams when they moved back to La La Land. How have they been in supporting you guys now in this first season? Dan, it's been off the charts. I mean, these these fans are hungry. You know, we had an event during training camp. We flew up a couple of our players, and they they got a little taste of you know eight hundred to a thousand people showing up at this two hour event that we had. St. Louis, dressed out to the max, in line for autographs. Uh, it was pretty intense, man. I think the guys were like, wow, this is legit. Uh, we lead the way by a landslide and ticket sales. And, and listen, they put the pressure on me now. I'm going to be on the road weeks one, two, and three before I even get to the dome. So if we can figure this thing out early uh, and put some wins together, it's going to be even that more electric in St. Louis, but that dome right now is, is going to look really good on TV and when we come out of that uh, tunnel it's going to be pretty exciting, so it's definitely going to be an advantage And uh, you know, we start on the road uh, for three weeks but then we're at home three, three weeks in a row and then we have a, a away game, we're back for the last two games so uh, it's lined up for us to have success if we can come out the gates running. And I didn't know this until I was talking to you the other day that I guess all the teams they're not going to make camp, if you will, in their respective cities. You guys are all hunkered down in Dallas, right, you said, and you're all just going to be traveling to whatever city you guys are playing in on game day, right? Correct, yeah. We're hubbing in the Arlington, Dallas area. Uh, it's been phenomenal. Uh, two teams, to a facility, practice facility. Our field has been great. Uh, beautiful stadium that we practice in in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, our hotel, our living situation, our food has been first class. The players have really had a great experience. Uh, I can't speak for all the teams, but I know everybody's got the same or similar situation as uh, as everyone else does. So uh, I've been really, I mean, you know, I'm sitting in my office in a beautiful meeting space 
in in the Hilton, and and it's been great, man. It's uh, you know guys have been treated right, and this is what our league is—a league of opportunity. Ownership has taken it seriously to make sure that these guys are put in a situation where they can excel on the field and off, and and they have not spared any expense to do that. So just really, really proud of the way and the leadership of Dwayne Johnson and and Danny Garcia and Jerry Cardinal with Redbird Capital, how they've come together, and they've really this is a a, a, a priority investment. Uh, and something that they're truly passionate about. And and they came and spoke to the entire league here down in Arlington, all the players, coaches, trainers, everybody in one spot, which is kind of unprecedented you know, for, for really any league to do. And you you could hear the passion oozing out when they spoke and, 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 and when they, what they said to the players and everybody. And uh, it's exciting. I, I think the future is bright. we got to do our part and put a great product on the field. I think all these teams have – Good players, excellent coaches. So uh, I expect, you know, we'll see what happens. Sunday, Sunday at 3 o'clock on ABC, man. It, the world that can click in at any point and watch this game. So uh, I'm excited for my guys and, uh, and can't wait to get things rolling. No doubt about it. We'll be locked in. So Sunday at 3 on ABC, Channel 7, New York's adoptive XFL team, the St. Louis Battlehawks. They're taking on the San Antonio Brahmas. And, and for one, I have to find out what the hell a Brahma was. I had no idea what a Brahma was. He was like, oh, it's some type of bull. So there you go. You're playing the Brahmas coming up. On Sunday, hopefully you know, that's not going to matter too much in the overall grand scheme of things. But look, I know how pumped up you are. I'm pumped up for you. This is something that you've wanted for a while. You get your own team here. You're running the show, and I, for one, can't wait to watch on Sunday. And uh, you know, I'll be lighting up that phone, good, bad, or indifferent, critiquing uh, game number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be going through a lot of text messages after the game. I'm almost positive. So. Uh... Don't, don't hold it to me to get right back to you on that one. No, I, 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 I Trust me, I know you're a busy guy. But, again, congratulations, my friend. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes here uh, on the show tonight. And uh, go get them on Sunday. Get off to a good start, will you? Yeah, man. Appreciate you, Dan. Thanks, man. Go Battlehawks. All right, be good. There's Anthony Beck, the head coach of the XFL St. Louis Battlehawks. And, and look, I, I, I'm, I'm happy as hell for him. I mean, obviously, he's a good friend. And I know that this is something that he's wanted for a while and – you know, he and I were doing some stuff behind the scenes when he was kind of putting this whole kind of plan into motion a few years back, and it was kind of on the down low, you know, seeking out opportunities. And so I know it means a lot to him, and, and for him to have this chance. And look, you're on national TV coming up on Sunday. You know, ABC, everybody could watch. it. it it's going to be great, and I hope he knocks it out of the park. And uh, real, real good football guy. And I'm glad that, you know, this is – one step for him, and hopefully he you know takes his thing as far as he wants to take it. He's done the media thing for a while. He's been very successful. Shoot, he was a, you know had a great career in the league. I mean, he lasted a dozen years in the league as a first round pick. He did something good. Remember, this guy was drafted. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the exact number was, a hundred and something places ahead of Tom Brady in that 2000 draft. So, uh, you know, he's he's had a great football life, and hopefully this is another cool chapter for him here with the Battlehawks in the XFL. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back, switch gears and get into some baseball here for a second because, you know, I'm singing a different tune than I did maybe up until just a week or so ago, and that involves the New York Yankees. And all of a sudden, you got some concerns with that starting rotation. And we'll talk about that coming up next. Dan Grasso Show till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Dan Gross, the show, 98.7 ESPN. On this Thursday, we're taking it right until the top of the hour. Then Gordon and Larry will come your way. Remember, we're back tomorrow, half show, 90 minutes, leading you right into Rangers hockey. Rangers against the Edmonton Oilers. That'll be second leg of their uh, three-game Western Canadian swing. Boy, the Rangers are piping hot right now. My goodness. You know, six goals, three consecutive games. Just keeps getting better and better. And now you got an Edmonton team, which, you know, has been playing some good hockey of late. And you know that there's always a threat with those two guys, of course, McDavid and Dreisaitl. But the problem with the Rangers is just the division's too damn good. You know, that's the that's the biggest issue. I mean, and the current playoff structure, the way it is, which the NFL, the NHL needs to change in the worst possible way here and go back to the way it used to be. Just take the top eight teams in the conference instead of this, you know, top three from each division plus a couple of wild cards. I, I, I hate the way that it's structured. But the Rangers are a good team. I mean, the Rangers might be, might be. Could they be the third best team? In the Eastern Conference, the entire Eastern Conference, when it's all said and done, maybe. You know, we still got a couple more weeks before the trade deadline gets here, so anything is possible. They could even continue to add to it. But they could be the third best team in the conference, but they may only be the third best team in their own division standings-wise, which means they're going to have a brutal matchup in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, right now they play the Devils in the first round of the playoffs. Two really good teams, and one of them is going to not even make it past the first round. And that's why this current playoff structure stinks in the National Hockey League. Let's talk to Tommy. He wants to talk a little Rangers. He's up next in Connecticut. Tommy, how are we doing? Oh, my God. You 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 had to do me like that? I, 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 I wanted to talk good about the Rangers, and now I'm fed up about the playoffs. But is it tr- am I right or wrong, right? It's awful. Dan, you are 100% right. I mean, you you look at who are the three best teams. Obviously, the Bruins are far and away. Bruins, that. right? And then Carolina. You probably still have to say Carolina on the overall because body even work. Even though the Rangers beat them the right. last matchup, that team scares me to this to death. They're good. And then the Rangers, and then the Rangers are right there. I think the Rangers, the Devils, you throw think, Toronto, and then even Tampa. I wouldn't discount Tampa because of their championship pedigree. All those four teams to me are jumbled in any on any given day. They could be, let's say, considered the third best team in the East. Right, and then you factor in goaltending. So 
okay, I I mean Boston is amazing, but I mean Allmark, eh. But then then I mean Allmark's been good this year the, though. He's been doing it. But just hopefully Shesterkin, you know, finds his uh, wheelhouse and and really starts dialing it in. I think they've been getting lazy on defense. Well, you know what it is? Their defense has become a little bit more offensive-centric, too, of late, Tommy, right? I mean, my God, they're racking up five, six points a night from the from the blue line. You know, well, even last night. One of your night. best scorers is Fox. Well, and, and even Fox is, you know, having maybe a little bit of a, of a step. I mean, he's having a good year, don't get me wrong. He's not playing at the level he did a couple of years ago when he won the Norris, but Keandre is having a career year. Uh, I like Braden Schneider, what he's been able to give you. Truba throwing his body around. Um, <laughs> oh, it, my God, <laughs> Punishes. And I want to see, you know, I want to see a little bit more of Mikola here. It looked like he maybe had his first goal last night, um, which they then had it taken away because of the, the scoring change there. But, you know, I want to see him a little bit more. I mean, you know, I think he's an upgrade um, over who, uh, over Ben Harper, who they had uh, playing that. Uh, oh, third yeah, no, he was, he was, he was a no, he yeah. non-factor. Non the question to me is a couple of things. And Tommy, thanks for the phone call. A couple of things. Number one, look. If it was that easy, I think Gerard Gallant would have done it months ago. But what he did the other night in Carolina by moving Panarin down to that line now with Trocek and VC, and all of a sudden he scored six freaking goals in the two games. I, I mean, if it was that simple, like I said, he would have done it. But how much longer is this going to continue with Panarin light and limp? Because Panarin, he's had a great year, but a lot of the damage he's been doing offensively, it's been setting up other guys. To light the lamp. And now all of a sudden, the goals are starting to pour out with him. Number two, is Chris Drury going to be able to go make another move before the deadline, which is March the 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. So that's two weeks from tomorrow. You're going to be able to go add to maybe that fourth line? Beef up that a little bit? Rangers got a shot here. Now, look, they went all the way to the freaking conference finals last year, so why can't they do it again? It's a good team. I would feel better, though. If maybe the goaltender shores some things up just a little bit because he's not been as good as last year. It's almost impossible to be better than he was last year, but he, he hasn't been as good. And even though in a perfect world in the playoffs, you're not going to want to see your backup at all. But Locke has also played real, real good hockey over the last month or so. He's won, what, seven straight starts, playing a lot better. And, he, you know, it's not that he was awful early. He just was having some tough luck. But now he's starting to get the results to show for it, too. Rangers are in a good spot. They're in a good spot. Go get go get a split in these next two games. It's tough. You know, three games in four nights, all the travel. And, and you saw last night a little bit, too. You know, they had three days off before that game in Vancouver. And Vancouver stinks. They were playing a rookie goaltender last night, making his NHL debut. And the Rangers, I thought, were a little slow out of the gate. You know, Canucks got that first goal on the board before they finally woke up a little bit. So I don't expect that same type of early rust tomorrow when they go to Edmonton. But the Oilers are tough. And going to Calgary is not easy. Just get one of these next two games. And I think you'll be in good shape here. Um, Yankees. You probably know, I had talked about it a lot here throughout the offseason. I was as optimistic and as high on the Yankees starting pitching going into this season as probably I was since 
what, that last World Series in 2009, right, when they brought in CC and A.J. Burnett and you had the other guys who were still there left over. I, I probably have not felt as good on paper about a Yankee rotation since then, right? Bringing in somebody like Carlos Rodon, which allows the other guys in that rotation to kind of move down a peg, not maybe ask them to do as much. You know, Garrett Cole is a rock. Guy's had the most starts in Major League Baseball since 2017. Okay, you know what you're getting with him. Rodon, even though he has a little bit of an injury track record early in his career, I'm willing, even though it's difficult, I'm willing to believe that he's moved past that a little bit. But you can't rule out the injuries. Severino, who in a perfect world would be your number three, he's better than Nestor Cortez, but he's only made 20 starts in the last four years, right? He's got to make it through a full season healthy before you're like, okay, he's back. Remember, this is a guy who was a Cy Young finalist before all the injuries started. And then you got Nestor, who had a career season last year. All-star, but he only threw like 150 innings. And that was the only time he's hit 100 in his career up until that point. So what does he do for an encore? Well, he got a hamstring issue already, which you hope is not something that's going to linger. But a lot of these pitchers, when you have a career season in terms of workload like he did last year, it's really curious to see what they do for an encore. Like, is it going to have any sort of a carryover effect onto the next season? Sometimes that workload, guys don't respond from it to the same degree of success. So I'm still kind of, I don't want to say the jury is out, but I'm going to be keeping an extra eye here on Nestor to see how he fares, especially early on. And then, of course, now Montas, who you got nothing at all from last year. Nothing. Got hurt. Was hurt earlier in the year with Oakland, before the Yankees even went out and got him, now he needs surgery, and you're getting absolutely nothing for him. You know, when I saw that, I said, well, why now? Why is it when pitchers and catchers are reporting that you got to find out that that Frankie Montas needs shoulder surgery? Like, you didn't know this earlier in the offseason? You couldn't have made this determination a little bit earlier in the game to maybe speed up the timeline for recovery? And look, there's nobody out there to sign. You know, the first thing is like, okay, well, who can we get? Who can we get? Well, first of all, if you're looking at the scrap heap, free agency, nobody worth a damn is still out there. Any pitcher who is serviceable is in a big league camp right now. Michael Waka signed with the San Diego Padres a couple of days ago. He was probably like the best of the bunch that was still out there. Now he's not even available. So what are you left with if you're the Yankees? Domingo Herman, Clark Schmidt, great. Tremendous. So aren't we kind of almost back in the same spot we were in the last couple of years, God forbid if something goes wrong with Carlos Rodon or Carlos Rodon struggles because he's the X factor. You're probably going to have to go out there and try to pry somebody loose from another team right now. And I know that Brian Cashman loves his prospects, loves his prospects, right? That's one of the reasons why last year they didn't want to go all in for somebody like a Luis Castillo. When he was with Cincinnati, all he did, by the way, was beat the Yankees three times last year with a couple of teams. But whether it's Anthony Volpe, whether it's Oswald Peraza, I've been saying this. You know what, Volpe? He better be the second coming of Derek Jeter and A-Rod combined for the way they talk about this guy, the way they keep him, you know, handling him with kid gloves, off limits. He better be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Do you tap into that extra depth you have in the infield and see if you can maybe attach one of those guys to be able to bring in a starting pitcher? 
Now all those good vibes, it seems like, are gone, right? Now you're just littered with question marks again. Like, why does this happen? Here was Aaron Boone, by the way, about the situation with Frankie Montas. Frankie is going to have surgery. It is now scheduled for the 21st of this month. And then hopefully a few days after that, he'll, he'll come join us. So based on what you know right now, what is the timetable for his return? Best case is he would be back late in the season, but we're really going to know a lot after the 21st when they know specifically what they have to do in there. If it's just the scope, then there's the potential he could be back late in the year. Look, I mean, you can have pinstripe colored glasses that you wear, pinstripe pajamas. How can you be optimistic that Frankie Montas is going to be able to salvage anything, anything this year or anything really as a Yankee? You're not going to. It's a lost cause. And they're not going to rush him back. In this day and age, you think they're going to rush a pitcher back? You're not going to see him again. So if you really want to, again, have yourself a top-flight rotation, want to bring in another guy, well, there is somebody out there. There's a guy. I got a guy. I got a guy. There's somebody out there that's pretty damn good, and he's already laying the foundation for potentially getting moved by his current team. I'll tell you who that is when we come back. But I think you'll like the idea, too. Dan Grasso Show, till the top, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's retire this song forever, as far as rejoins are concerned. My God. I don't, I don't even know how to, I might just do a walkout after that one. That doesn't exactly fit with the whole theme that we're uh, kind of going for. But anyway, you know what? To each his own. We move on. Anyway, talking Yankees, talking about the rotation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so if the Yankees are going to be in the market here for a starting pitcher, Corbin Burns, I'm sure you know the name if you follow baseball. Corbin Burns arrived at camp today for the Milwaukee Brewers out in Arizona. Um, Unhappy, to say the least. We'll put it that way. Unhappy. Because he went to salary arbitration. And he had his hearing. And he ended up losing his case. And the way arbitration works, for those that don't know, the player comes at the team with, I want... X amount of dollars. The team then counters and says, well, we don't want to pay you that much. Instead, we're offering this much. 
And if you are in that part of your contract for those few years where you can get salary arbitration, if you don't come to an agreement and avoid arbitration, you hear that term used a lot, and come to a, uh, an agreement, then you go to a hearing and let an arbitrator decide, okay, what's right and who wins. And then those hearings could get kind of contentious because you have the club who sits there and states their viewpoint, and the players got to hear it. Right, And the team, what they do is they just sit there and tell you how bad you are and all the things that you do wrong and why you aren't worth the type of money that you're asking for. It's not exactly a flattering situation that you want to find yourself in. Feelings could be hurt. You don't want to go down that road. So anyway, they went and Corbin Burns lost his case. He's only going to get $10 million this year for the Milwaukee Brewers. He wanted 10 and three quarters. Won a Cy Young Award in 2021. Good pitcher. Last year, he led the National League in strikeouts. And he only made $6.5 million last year. So he does get a little bit of a raise. But, you know, somebody of his caliber, he figures, you know, I, I want at least, like, more than $4 million bucks more. Didn't get it. He shows up to camp. And to say that Corbin Burns woke up this morning and chose violence would be an understatement. Because he goes scorched earth. On the Milwaukee Brewers. But, you know, mildly. You know, he wasn't throwing things and dropping F-bombs or anything like that. But he was, you know, trying to be as diplomatic as possible. So anyway, this is Corbin Burns, okay, talking about the arbitration hearing and everything that went down with the Brewers. At the hearing flew in the night before. Um, had the hearing all day Tuesday. Um, spent Valentine's Day on a plane. Um, got home at you know 10, 11 o'clock, and and got to see my wife before she fell asleep. So that was kind of how the Valentine's Day went. So that was that was fun. But um, yeah, like I say, you, you kind of find out your true value. Um, you think you you work hard for seven years in the organization and five years with the with the big league team, and um, you get in there and basically they, they value you much different than what you thought you you contributed to the organization. Um, and it's just you know it's obviously it's tough to hear, it's tough to take, but you know they're trying to do what they can to win a hearing. Um, but I think there was obviously other ways that they, they could have gone about it um, and um, probably been a little more respectful with the, with the way they went about it. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, here we are. Um, you know, they, they obviously that they won it. Um, but it, it, when it came down to, to winning or losing the hearing, it was, it was more than that for me. Now, we don't know what was said. Okay, you don't get transcripts of these things. But, like, you know, as I outlined before, it's not exactly flattering stuff. Nobody wants to hear that. It's like when you go into your office with your boss and you sit down and you ask for a raise and they, you know, do your evaluation with your, you know, your superiors or whatever. And they tell you this, that and the other and what they think about you. Sometimes it's stuff that you don't want to hear and it doesn't paint you in a great light. Okay, so that being said, what's the state of the relationship right now, Corbin, between yourself and the Brewers? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no denying that the relationship is definitely definitely hurt from, um, you know, what what perspired over the last couple of weeks. yeah, there's, there's there's really no way getting around that. Um, obviously, we're, we're we're professionals and we're going to go out there and, and do our job and I mean, keep doing what I can every fi- every fifth day that I go out there. But um, you know, when some of the things that are said that um, you know, for instance, basically basically put me in the forefront of, of the reason why we didn't make the postseason last year. That, I mean, that's something that probably doesn't need to be said. You know, we can go go about a hearing without having to do that. Um, so that's kind of one of those things that, you know, obviously, you know, they, there was no attacking of, of character, of, you know, person of who I was, but um, just the, just the, some of the stuff that was said that, you know, definitely didn't need to be um, said is, is, is something that, you know, I think kind of disappointed everyone. Now that's interesting. 
really and truly is. And, and I, I, I can't even believe that he even went that far and told you that that's what was talked about as far as they blamed him for not going to the playoffs. And that was the reason why Milwaukee choked away a playoff spot in the second half of the season and really allowed the Philadelphia Phillies to sneak in and get all the way to the World Series. And that's why I joked last year during October, I said if the Phillies end up winning this World Series, they should give David Stearns, who was at the time the head of baseball operations for the Milwaukee Brewers, no more, uh, he stepped away, but he should get a World Series ring from the Phillies. Because it wasn't what Corbin Burns did. And, and, and Corbin Burns, by the way, his last seven starts of the season, if you want to, you know, he was 3-2 and two with a 3-3-0 earned run average. Not terrible. Not Cy Young caliber, but not tel- terrible. And there were other reasons why Milwaukee kind of fell apart. But first, second, third, fourth, ninth on the list of reasons why Milwaukee missed the playoffs last year, it was the trade they made of Josh Hader at the deadline, sending him to the San Diego Padres. That gutted that clubhouse, gutted the team, gutted the clubhouse. They couldn't believe it. Think about it. You're Milwaukee. You take a guy who's one of the best closers in baseball and you send him to a team in the National League that you're competing with to try to get to a World Series, helping their cause and hurting yours. That sent shockwaves through the room. You knew at the time it would be a disaster, and it was. But to then turn it around in arbitration just to save a couple of bucks and put it on your ace? I I mean, come on. Now, Corbin Burns is a free agent after 2024. So he's got this year and next year. But like I just said about the Josh Hader trade, Milwaukee moved him even though he was still a controllable player. This is a mid-market team. They have to do all these unpopular things to save costs and to save a couple of bucks. But as far as this arbitration hearing is concerned with Burns, is it really worth it if you're Milwaukee to start a war like this with your best pitcher for a difference of $750,000? I know you're cheap, but $750,000 and now you got your ace pitcher who's pissed off at you? And you know eventually there's going to be a divorce between those two teams or those two sides? Here's the bottom line. You're Brian Cashman. Pick up the phone. Call the Brewers. What will it take to get Corbin Burns? Even if they want Anthony Volpe, send them. Send them. This is one of the best pitchers in baseball. You won world championships in the past because of pitching. Now you've got question marks in your rotation Go get this guy. And he's not even going to break the bank for you for the next couple of years because he's not even in free agency yet. That is the guy to target. And if the Yankees don't, you know some other team will. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Dan Grosser Show, we roll to the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Remember, we'll be back with you tomorrow. That's right. Let's not get carried away two straight nights, but only 90 minutes tomorrow leading into Ranger hockey. So 7 to 8.30, you and me tomorrow. And then, of course, our Saturday morning program from 9A to 12 noon. Mets, meantime, it looks kind of weird whatever you're seeing from them with the fact that, hey, Justin Verlander's a Met. You know, like you don't expect guys like that to be wearing Met uniforms. Um then the question becomes, you know, you got Verlander, reigning Cy Young winner three times. Scherzer's got three Cy Youngs. Who starts opening day if everybody's healthy? You know, who gets that opening day start in Miami? Verlander, Scherzer, 
Here was Verlander's answer to that one. Uh, it's it's not. You know, it's a wonderful celebration of baseball, and I've cherished every time I've been able to do it. But, you know, I didn't come here to start opening day. That's not the, that's not the, the reason I'm here. I think all things equal, and I'm sure that they're not going to care one way or the other, but I kind of got a feeling that, like, Buck will give it to Scherzer because Scherzer's been here at least a year. He's built up a little bit more Met equity, if you want to call it that. Now, who knows? Maybe they're going to slide this stuff to where not that they even, you know, piggyback one another. He might spread them out to where one guy starts opening day and the other guy starts the home opener. Mets don't have a day off, though, for the first, like, seven days of the season or something like that. Normally, they give you the built-in day off after opening day, but they don't do that this year because the Mets are opening in Miami where they have a roof. So you don't have to worry about the – that's why they give you that day off in case the opening day gets rained out. Then they just play it the next day. But they're playing in Miami to start where they have a roof. And then they go to Milwaukee, who also has a roof. So the Mets aren't going to be rained out at all for the first week of the season. So they're going to need five starting pitchers. And they don't get that first off day until the day after the scheduled home opener. So maybe they spread out the rotation that way. And you kind of, you know, we make such a big deal about opening day, starting first and, and those type of things. You remember who started opening day for the Mets last year? It wasn't Scherzer. It wasn't the Grom. It wasn't Bassett. One Taiwan Walker. It was Tyler McGill started game number one for him. Let's say hi to Richard. He is in Manhattan. He is up next to you on 9870 ESPN. Richard, good evening. How are you? Hi, Dan. Uh Jalen Brunson. Yes. He reminds me of Earl Monroe. He does everything on the floor. Nothing in the air. Herky-jerky, gets the shot off, off balance, keeps the opposing team off balance. He's, a, he's fantastic. I've never seen a, a Nick like this. I mean, I've never even seen him dunk. And it was the same way with Monroe. They know how to get their shot offs at weird angles. No high-flying aerial acts with these guys. No dunking the ball. Nothing. Nothing fancy. Right. This, this guy reminds me of Earl Monroe, 100%. And uh, I, I think he's been obviously a great acquisition. You know, he couldn't show his stuff off with Dallas last year. I don't even think he started with Donkage. I think he, he was a third guard in Dallas. I don't think he ever started. I, I don't know for sure, but he never showed that he can shine this way. But uh, well, I knew he would thing, be a right? great he never... because he was a Villanova player, Philadelphia kid, and those kind of players, they just know how to play basketball. It's like the way the New York players were in the old days. Well, he's you know what it is, Richard? He's fundamentally sound more than anything. And he, start, he started plenty last year for the Mavericks, but he really you know operated and dominated the basketball oh, in the yeah. playoffs more than anything. But you know what it is? I mean, he's like, I don't want to even call him an underdog because he had a great college career where he won national championships and those type of things. But remember, he was player of the year, wasn't he, Dan? Yeah, and he was a second-round pick. Think about that. He was a second-round pick. That's because of his size. Second-round pick, but still, you know, second-rounder. And look at what he's doing. The guy is an all-star player in the NBA. Oh, yeah, he'll be a perennial all-star with the Knicks. You know, Dan, let me just say something. I hear everybody with this revisionist, uh, you know, uh, we should have got Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. How do we know if we had Donovan Mitchell now, Bronson – uh, Brunson and uh, and uh, Julius Randle would be playing just as well now. We don't know that. I mean, it's nice to think that, 
you just had another superstar here, and uh, the Knicks would be even better. But we, you never know how players fit in with other guys. This guy that came now, hot, you know, this guy seems to fit in, you know. That's what it's all about. I mean, you go back to Dave DeBuscher. DeBuscher was an all-star. We didn't know how he'd mix in with the Knicks. And when they made that trade, he just fit in. A couple of positions tra- uh, changed. And that was it. We don't know. This may work out the same way. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bench uh, R.J. Barrett yet because he's not getting benched. can still win with him. He's not getting so, benched. Say it again? He's not going to get benched. There's no, no reason I to agree. bench him. No, he's he you know, on the starting line. Shows that they're saying, oh, he should get benched because Hart is a better player. Well, when you say benched, I mean, you make it sound so punitive. It's not getting benched like he's never going to play like Evan Fournier getting benched. No, somebody suggested earlier that, you know, should you bring Barrett off the bench and start Josh Hart? No, I, I think Josh Hart is perfect in the role that he's been in here with the Knicks for the first three games. Barrett should be Barrett is a guy who needs to get in the flow. He's not RJ Barrett is not a spark plug. He's not. And I you know, I I think him coming off the bench, I don't think he would be able to get in his game to where you would want it to be in the allotted minutes that he would be giving him in a reserve role. I I think he's perfect the way he is. Josh Hart has that knack to him. You know, he could do it on both ends of the floor, contribute in a variety of ways. I think he's perfect for that 25 to 30 minutes a night off the bench. We'll see where it goes. Thanks to Anthony Becht. Thanks to uh, Harvey, and thanks to Joe. Remember, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 7, 90-minute show tomorrow. Gordon and Larry coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.